0: Hello everyone, Snickerman here, back with another podcast. Welcome to the Gaming with Passion podcast, I'm your host, Snickerman, and this is the fourth episode which is going to focus around the Mario & Luigi gaming series. In this episode, we're going to talk about the history of the series, starting with the first game, going all the way through the games and into the remakes for the 3DS, and then at the end, we have a nice discussion about what developer we would like to see make a new Mario & Luigi game and having a new game in the series would actually be. Sit back and get ready to hear some passionate people talk about some cool games. have a very special guest, The Barber Who Games. And so first of all, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm uh Bill, also known as The
1: Barber Who Games on Instagram. I'm pretty much only on Instagram these days, so not too hard to find me. I'm also a, the host, one of the co-hosts of the Gaming and Collecting podcast. The podcast is on all the major podcasting platforms. The most common place you can find it is on Apple Podcasts
0: or Spotify Podcast. And uh yeah, I'm a I blog about video games. <laughs> the topic of this episode is going to be us taking a look at the Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga, which spans multiple consoles. The Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga started on the Game Boy Advance, which was released in 2003. There have been multiple sequels. There was Mario & Luigi Partners in Time, which was released on the Nintendo DS in 2005. There was Mario & Luigi Bowser's Inside Story, which was released in 2008 on the DS. And then the series started being released on the 3DS, where there was Mario & Luigi Dream Team as well as Mario & Luigi Paper Jam. First, we're going to talk about our experiences with the series, and then we're going to go into whether or not we think there might be a new game in the franchise and what we would want to see out of that game if it were to happen. First, let's start with you, Bill, on your introduction to the series. A lot of people don't realize I'm actually a lot younger than people uh, think when they
1: first see me. I'm actually all, I'm only 26 right now, so... <laughs> yeah, so I actually missed the... Uh... I missed the first game in the series when it when it first came out, and uh, my first actual experience was with the uh, Partners in Time, the second game. Do you have any specific memories from, like, when you got it or anything like that? Do you remember the uh, the, the first, like, commercial for, like, um, par- uh, Superstar Saga? So it was, this is back, like, before, like, the Wii era hit, and Nintendo actually, like, made, like, these really, like, bizarre, like, surreal co- commercials. And I remember the, par- the Superstar Saga commercial, it was, like, these two kids dressed up like Mario and Luigi, just, like, getting into trouble
0: like in their backyard and then it just all of a sudden like cut to like the game afterwards it was like what is this actually that sounds familiar now because there were definitely game trailers that i had seen but at that time i probably hadn't even ever played the game or even known what it was
1: yeah same here with that because i was only like seven or eight at that point so i couldn't like afford to like but um i remember seeing it and i was uh, i knew what rpgs were because i played final fantasy 8 a lot at that point yeah it was like i kind of would see it and i'd be like That looks cool i'd like to try that i just never really got around to picking it up and it was when the ds the second one on the ds came out and i was kind of like i wanted that like um I, i needed a ds game that would actually last a while so i saw partners in time and i was like yeah i'll get i'll go with that one so that that i got that one for like christmas i think the year it came out and i think i didn't put it down for like god it had to have been at least a year like i think i was on that one
0: my introduction was i didn't mario and luigi superstar saga but i remember um i don't think i've ever mentioned it on this channel before i did taekwondo from when i was probably like three or four years old up until throughout most of high school so a lot of my memories and my friends were like they also did karate or taekwondo. So I remember one time we were at like the dojo and there was this kid, uh, I think his name was Connor, and he had a Game Boy Advance. And I don't remember if I had a Game Boy Advance at this point. I don't think I did, or I might have just gotten one. And he was playing this game and he's like, You gotta check out this Mario game. And I was like, when Mario games on the Game Boy Advance? And so I looked at it, I saw him start playing it, and I was like, whoa, this is really, really cool. I think at that point I had played some RPGs. I had probably played Final Fantasy 7 VII and 8 as well by this point. Mario and Luigi's Superstar Saga definitely, like, appealed to me right away because I could tell that it was turn-based combat, but it was also Mario. Most of the games that are Mario that appeal to me happen to be RPGs. I'm I'm not the biggest mainstream Mario fan, but I love Super Mario RPG. I love the Mario and Luigi series, and I like Point Paper Mario as well. So that's how I that's how I got introduced to the series. The next part will segment over to what attracted us to the series, and like what are the main points about Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga that make it interesting and why we think that there should be a sequel even to the franchise
1: honestly one of the biggest draws to like the um the mario luigi series i'd say is the first thing that like really like stuck out to me even with like um superstar saw sorry, Superstar Saga, the sprite work, like, those sprites are, like, iconic these days. Like, I think, like, every, like, Newgrounds animation used (laughs) those sprites for, like, everything back in the day.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Like you were saying, there really wasn't any original Mario games
0: on the Game Boy because everything was the advanced series, which was just ports at that point. Yeah, that's kind of what I was hinting at because... Yeah, everything on the Game Boy Advance was just older games that they put on the Game Boy Advance, which was cool because for someone in my generation, I had never really experienced those games before. But this was a brand new entity. And I think what I like about this franchise is, number one, obviously it gets to draw from the plethora of Mario characters. But there's something really unique about the style. Like you said, the actual animations all the characters there's so much wackiness going on the villain designs are like really interesting and just like yeah definitely over the top cartoony so that's definitely a huge drawing factor for me that that in the writing like the writing in superstar saga is like it's something else like it's
1: i don't know what it is about the way like alpha dream like writes their characters but every one of them has like more personality than they need and it's just amazing
0: yeah uh like at least for me again i think i had played uh superstar saga when i was uh much younger around the time it came out maybe a few years after i think my brother borrowed it from his friend Corey or something and you know we held on to it for probably years and I, i do remember getting stuck at different parts like I feel like every kid can relate to the like playing an RPG for like a year when you're a kid and then getting stuck on a place. Oh yeah. And then like two years later you just randomly pop it in again and you're able to beat it and then you can progress and like stuff like that. Like, like trust me my first RPG of all time was Final Fantasy
1: 8 and I always joke saying Final Fantasy 8 is like the worst place to start for like any kid
0: getting into RPGs. Yeah if you want to talk about like the most convoluted, broken battle system, but as a kid, you cannot figure anything out. Yeah, that's it for you. No, like the entire game is counterintuitive, basically. I guess since, so the primary games that I played was the original, which I think I might've gotten to the final boss, but I, I really don't remember 100%. I need to go back and complete it at some point. And I know you played Partners in Time, so I guess like, was there anything like, even for me, I guess, since I've never played it, what do you think is the main selling point of Partners in Time for somebody who's either played earlier games in the series or just wants to jump in somewhere in the series? That, that's the funny part about Partners in Time. It's
1: it's not really a secret that Partners in Time is considered the black sheep of the... Um the franchise it's so hard to explain because I have massive nostalgia for the game because it was like the one that like got me into it but um, I've seen online like some people absolutely can't stand partners in time for whatever reason going from partners in time to Superstar Saga is you know it's odd cuz it doesn't actually feel like a step back it actually kind of feels like a step forward it's really bizarre Superstar Saga had this like massive like open like world that was like incredibly fun to explore you had, like, all sorts of different, like, tiers of, like, upgrades and, like, uh, power-ups you could get, uh, really complex, like, special moves and stuff, um, and then you get to Partners in Time, and it's incredibly linear, not in a bad way, it's just, like, your goal is always in front of you, and you really only have one way you can go. They kind of simplified all the mechanics, and then they expanded other ones. It's it's weird. Then it's also really dark, like, sto- like tonally and, like, story-wise for a Mario game.
0: I, I know also it does utilize, the obviously, the dual screen a little bit. Do you think that that was a hindrance of... You know how like a lot of the earlier DS games kind of tried really hard to use the second screen, even if they didn't really have to? So actually, Partners in Time, in my opinion, aside from the the touch the touchscreen
1: basically being ignored the entire game except for one moment in the middle of nowhere where you have to, like, rub dirt off a of paper uh, at the end of the game <laughs> that comes completely out of nowhere and it never gets brought up again. As, aside from, like, the touchscreen being underused, uh, the DS... Actually, I think Partners in Time makes really good use of the uh, the two screens because for most of the game, uh, one screen is just always used as, like, a map, which is, like, one of the best things the DS did. In combat, uh, because Partners in Time had, like, um, items for special moves rather than, like, the, uh, the weird, like, Street Fighter combo like moves from a uh, superstar saga a lot of them had like visual cues where like things would go up onto the upper screen and you'd have to like watch to see like where the um w- like where the attack was either going to hit you or like where like one of the brothers was going to land and it was it was it it was kind of it was cool because it like as a kid i didn't never pay i didn't really pay attention to it and i was always wondering like why why am i always getting hit why, why can't i figure out the uh, the pattern and then it kind of clicks and you're like, "Oh, you got to watch what's going on up there to figure it out." It was it was pretty cool because the um the whole gimmick with Partners in Time is you have both the Mario brothers and then their younger selves, the baby versions. There's a lot of like puzzle solving throughout the game where you have to like separate the brothers and like you'll a lot of times when uh, the younger ones go like off-screen, it'll go to like a different screen, and there's some puzzles where you have to do one thing on with the uh, the, the older brothers And then you go with the babies on another screen and you have to kind of time it out watching the two screens. It's actually really well done. Now that you actually make me uh, think about it, I'm like, yeah, that game
0: actually did a really good job with the two screens now that I think about it. Yeah, like there were definitely games that did it wrong. So that's good to hear. I mean, I I like also with the series that like it it reminded me because you were talking about the puzzling sections, like at least I know with Bowser's Inside Story as well, where it's not just a straight... JRPG. There's obviously some puzzles and some different things you have to do, which it seems like in this day and age is kind of mandatory. You don't really find a traditional JRPG anymore that doesn't have some kind of extra thing on the side because most people don't like the extended grind. So I do have to give them some credit there, because there were always really... Puzzles in some games can seem really tedious. At least I feel frustrated in some games when they make you stop playing and do a bunch of puzzles. But I never really felt that way with this series. Trust me, one of my favorite games of all time is Tales of the Abyss on the uh, PS2.
1: But I swear, like, half the puzzles in that game are, like, block-pushing puzzles. And yeah. after a while, you're like, I just want to move on. But uh, actually, now that you bring up a good point... um. One of my favorite things about like the Mario like RPGs in general was how like they're based off a platformer. So like you're you're always platforming. And I one thing I always thought that was cool about the Mario and Luigi series in, in particular was um how each brother was controlled by one button. So you had to kind of like time it out and stuff.
0: Right. It, it, it's like the callback to Super Mario RPG because
1: here's a fun fact. I'm not sure if you know this or not. The uh, director for the mario and luigi
0: series was actually a former square employee that worked on mario rpg that makes a lot of sense to me because i mean it's it's very clear that there's a lot of inspiration from that series or from that game
1: i think both like mario rpg series were definitely inspired
0: well because paper mario was originally supposed to be mario rpg 2 before like they had issues with square i was just gonna say it is interesting because yeah think about it so mario has essentially two different rpg lines right if you consider like superstar saga and paper mario and both kind of trailed off a little bit but they were both inspired by super mario rpg so they they have some things that are very similar in them both have like a an emphasis on platforming and the button pressing for attacks and things like that and blocking and uh mario and luigi just took it to a it's like logical extreme
1: compared to the more simplistic approach with paper mario and two completely different developers too which i always found was like pretty interesting super
0: mario rpg is a very influential game i, I mean i don't really know what else to say
1: the, the, i think the biggest problem is that game is in like in like legal limbo and they kind of can't do anything they can't do anything beyond just re-release it unfortunately and i know everybody wants a true sequel to it but it's just even though square and nintendo are but are like friends again it's kind Just like one of those things that's
0: probably never gonna happen. I mean, you never know, I've stranger things have happened these days, but all right so let's let's uh let's get into bowser's inside story so for me this is like this is the game why i enjoy the series i think i played it later like i don't think i got it when it came out i bought it day one because i was so obsessed with partners in time i was like oh they're making a sequel okay and i kind of just i jumped on it the second i saw it here i am like watching footage of it before this to like remember the game and i'm like this game is amazing you know we touched on it before but it's just a really funny game the story is like it's interesting enough but the writing is so good like i, I don't know and the characters are like all have so much personality and you just like love every character well interestingly uh jumping back to uh superstar saga real quick uh
1: one thing um from that game that i i've always said because it kind of ties into uh, a bowser's inside story later fawful is one of the most underrated video game villains of all time because he is like just insane but it's like he's insane but he's also like foreshadowy which is like because his whole entire plan like in uh bowser's inside story is like foreshadowed from the beginning like if you
0: look at like the context clues and stuff yeah that again that's like that's good writing in my opinion that's like you know we're gonna give the fans that are really paying attention you know a little bit of a teaser or an easter egg of what's gonna happen because uh, i mean again these games are aimed at kids and remember when you're a kid and you're playing like it Everyone's different, but I remember a lot of games I couldn't even, like, read. There's always a little bit more for people that are paying attention to the game. As, as someone who has been playing RPGs since they were three years old
1: and not being able to read much, oh, it, it changes a lot when you get older and you go back. It's like, oh, that's what that meant. And then the inside jokes and stuff pop in and then you you just get older and you're like,
0: oh. Okay, I get what they're doing here. Yeah, you're like, oh, that one was for the older audience for sure.
1: Well, actually, uh, continuing on the Fawful thing, because he's such an important part of uh, Bowser's Inside Story. So have you you haven't played Partisan Time, right? No, I didn't play it. Fawful has a cameo in Partisan Time, and it's like... It, because I played Partisan Time before I played Superstar Saga, it was one of the most confusing parts of that entire game. So in um, Partisan Time, Fawful actually runs like a bad shop, but it's hidden in the the castle's sewers for some reason, like in the modern era. And the only way you find it is uh, there's once there's eventually at one point you unlock the basement of the castle once you get a certain power up, and the first time you go down there, you just see this random like red cloaked like figure walking around in the it just shows like a little cutscene of him like walking off screen. And as a kid, that scared, it scared the crap out of me because I was like, the hell is that? And then uh, you go to the next screen and he's like in one of the pipes. And it's it's supposed to clue you in that you're supposed to go inside that pipe. But I didn't realize you could use the uh, the drill power up to go underground and then go into the pipe with the babies. So I, for a while I was stuck and I, I just kind of ignored it. I was like, that is the weirdest thing in the game. But then you eventually get in there and you uh, you find him and he's just like in this like sketchy shop <laughs> underneath the uh, building. And you basically, um, you, trade, you trade him beans basically for... Uh, badges all his like dialogue because he, he the uh, the brothers never actually interact with him only the babies and he doesn't recognize the babies uh, oh, other than that's that they good. look. and other th- other than that they, they look vaguely familiar so he goes on like a tirade about how like the brothers defeated him like by overheating his spaceship and like how his like how his boss battle went and that he's planning he, basically he's foreshadowing the events of um bowser's inside story but it's y- you don't really think anything of it because i didn't play superstar saga i was like this makes no sense at all, but I'm. It is. It's bizarre, but it, it's kind of funny, like how they kind of just snuck him in there. I just want to know how he set up shop underneath Peach's castle the whole time, but
0: because he's plotting. I mean, what else is he gonna do, right? True. They never do reference that though in the Bowser's Inside Story, so it's kind. It's just. It's funny. It's just a fun Easter egg. Like they might not have even have planned on using him ever again. Because no. Bowser's Inside Story came out a bit later. I mean, who knows at that time when they did Partners in Time if they even knew they were gonna make another game, right?
1: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, just comparing the sprite work on Bowser's Inside Story from Partners in Time, it's like night and day. Like you can tell how much more time and experience they had with the game at that point. Bowser's Inside Story, I think, is actually the best RPG on the uh, DS. Actually, if
0: not one of the best DS games, period. See, this is why I wanted to have you on this podcast, because I I feel pretty much the same. I didn't play... I'm trying to think of total how many RPGs I've played on the DS and how many total games I've played on the DS, but it's definitely one of my favorites. I think it just caught me off guard like i said i had played superstar saga and i enjoyed it but by the time ds came out and there were like you know there were all of these games on ds and there are a lot of good rpgs right so when i thought about it i was like okay another mario rpg i was like it's it'll probably be all right and then i just couldn't put it down like when i started playing it i couldn't put it down until i beat it honestly i i still to this day say
1: the highlight of bowser's inside story is bowser himself of course like it's more it's honestly more of a bowser game than it is a mario and luigi game when you actually like think about it yeah it is because
0: he's just so much more
1: fun to play as
0: than the brothers and it, it, it is his inside story so it's getting his perspective and everything so
1: that that was a pretty cool i actually did like how they incorporated that like the uh the inside bowser parts were um like a side scroller rather
0: than like the 3d
1: like it was a good change changing it up a little
0: yeah exactly like because I, if anyone knows Nintendo, and like especially with the Mario franchises, like, again, this, this wasn't developed by the same people as a lot of the other Mario games, but Mario games are known for just, like, adding on and adding on, and then eventually it becomes something else entirely, right? I, I feel like when I, when I first would have started playing the game, I would have wanted it to be very similar to Superstar Saga, but then when I saw the changes that they actually made, I realized that it actually made it a lot more fun to play than the original, in my opinion.
1: Uh, that's actually one of the hardest things to go back to like original Mm -hmm. like we'll get in it we'll get into it later with the remakes but um one of the hardest things about going back to like vanilla um superstar saga is once you play bowser's inside story and like all like the combo mechanics in battle like the double like double attacking and like timing stuff going back to original superstar saga is very difficult it's it's the natural
0: progression of a game series though kind of right
1: in partners in time they kind of started incorporating early ideas for uh that because um you know how in like bowser's it's a story like you get to do like the double jump when it, if you time it right right in uh partners in time it works slightly different basically once you uh the brothers and the babies finally like teamed up you, you'd get like more of like a combo attack kind of thing where um you would control the uh, the brothers with a and b and then you control the babies with like x and y so you'd kind of have to hit like x right before uh mario like um would land on an enemy so the baby would get a hit in and then mario would get a hit so it'd be kind of it was a bit it was kind of like an extra step for something that they just simplified later to like perfection
0: but uh it was they were kind of incorporating those ideas like even earlier on than uh bowser's inside story which is kind of cool to me it's just like they kind of tried a few things out and partners in time and then by the time they got to inside story they had kind of perfected the combat and everything
1: the one thing that keeps always bringing me back to like like i wish there was another like rpg series that did this is just how if you were theoretically good enough you'll never get hit once yeah think about that that's crazy right like i've tried no damage runs of like partisan time and it's
0: hard like some of those attacks are like ridiculous like to get the timing right yeah i guess you gotta have balance of like i can imagine designing that would be difficult right because it's like you don't want to make the blocks or the dodges so easy that everyone can do them or else the game is not going to be hard at all right but then you don't want to make it too hard that no one can ever do them exactly and it's all about like context clues too like there's always like
1: like faffle would always have like his like green speech or like red speech like and that's how you'd know where he's attacking or like An enemy would like kick its foot right or left you got to just pay attention like that's like that's
0: basically like the key to it the timing can be incredibly difficult sometimes though with the genre that is typically known for being boring or button mashy because all you have to do is click x and do the same attack over and over again it's it's definitely a breath of fresh air into the genre when you have to actively be paying attention to play the game i think that's why like these type of games really took off i think
1: i don't want to say they're easy like to pick up because Superstar Saga is actually one of the probably the hardest like Mario RPGs ever made
0: okay. when you actually think about they're, it they're not that easy but they're interesting and you can get better at them after you play more and get used to the clues and everything. Or,
1: or you play RPGs like me and you just grind and <laughs> get overpowered.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel that. For like for the lols, I did
1: a um an action replay like I was messing around with an action replay and I get, I just got maxed out everything in Partisan Time once and it, it just completely changes how the game works. If um you uh, hack into the game and make yourself powerful enough, in uh, Parson Time the first fight of the game is just a tutorial fight against uh, Baby Bowser. Um, If you actually l- raise all your stats so that you're more powerful and you kill him, it just breaks the game because the scripting doesn't know what to do oh that's that's interesting i always wondered about that i hate those fights that you're like guaranteed to lose or the ones that like you're guaranteed to win but at the same time they have like dialogue and stuff that's like so scripted in that if you if you miss the dialogue it just all of a sudden goes like the game doesn't know what to do so it just kind of freezes until
0: like you uh and forces you to restart it because i know pa- the original paper mario had that problem too with uh certain fights yeah because i mean it- it's just one of those things where if the game developers meant you to play it a certain way, then if you do it the wrong way, usually the game will just break because it doesn't know how to do it any other way. It's kind of funny. I, I like
1: messing around after I beat a game. I, I like messing around with action replay cheats just to see like what weird stuff you can find.
0: I never had action replay for that, so I, I never got to do that. Sounds fun, though.
1: It's chaotic, that's yeah. for sure.
0: <laughs> especially especially on the DS. I think the DS was like the one ac- system where I actually like messed around with action replay the most. And actually, like, tried to write my own codes and failed miserably, but that's beside the point. Because even some DS games are so boring that you gotta, you probably gotta use Action Replay to make them fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, some (laughs) of the licensed games and stuff that you just get bought for Christmas and it's not a very good game where you beat it in 30 minutes and you're like, oh...
1: Or, 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 Well, sometimes you get that hidden gem, though, because I still, to this day, um, DS launch came out, and I got Mario 64 and Herb Sims in the city, and I played more Herb Sims in the city than Mario 64, so... It's funny, because the DS is such a versatile system.
0: Yeah, it has everything on it, and obviously it has a lot of shovelware, but again, some of the shovelware is not actually really shovelware until you actually give it a shot and see that it's not.
1: It also has a lot of crap, though, but what system doesn't at this
0: point? Is there a character that stands out for you from Bowser's Inside Story or maybe just a part of the game boss fight or anything like that so i I could i'm not going to go to go on for too long but there is a lot of things in bowser's inside story that make me just like love that
1: game more than anything the opening cutscene alone i think it's called like the blorbs or whatever with like the the toads just like exploding and like rolling through the houses it's like that immediately is like i was like okay i'm intrigued um there there was that there's the um the scene right at the beginning of the game where like the tutorial fight is where like the Mushroom Kingdom's having the meeting discussing um, discussing that what's going on and then Bowser shows up and he's, he's actually like he's generally upset that he wasn't included in the meeting and that's like a, that's a really good scene because you actually kind of feel bad for him
0: like I, I think yeah that's kind of like the point of the game I think is to see it from Bowser's perspective and you kind of you kind of like him a little bit after it.
1: RPG Bowsers always, are always, like, the most likable Bowsers. Yeah, agreed. I think Bowser's inside story is tied with Super Paper Mario is probably the most fleshed out Bowser. Fawful is, like, probably one of my favorite RPG villains of all time. His, his like, plan in this game is so ridiculous, but at the same time, it works, and it, it's it's cool. His, he's just, like, a complete maniac, though, the entire game, and that's... Honestly, probably why he's, like, such an effective
0: villain, because he's, like, you wouldn't expect it. Who's the, um, I keep thinking of this character isn't there a character that's like a mystery block or it's like a bunch of blocks put together he's like he's like a french stereotype yeah he was like one but, of my um, favorite characters i just like i, I like liking. that yeah
1: brock michaud or something like michaud yeah. or something like something bizarre and his dog i love his dog yeah, his dog is great my favorite part about his dog is when you show up when you when you visit his shop with the mario brothers and you go near the dog the dog just gets angry as like can be and like is just like growling in the corner (laughs) if you bring bowser the dog just kind of has like a pouty face in the corner and just kind of ignores you uh he also had one of the most like biggest pain mini game like a uh, side quest in the entire game but that's uh, another story that's
0: another story for another podcast
1: oh i actually i like another cool guy is the guy on top of the mountain that you have to like body slam to get one of the uh, the, the pure miracle cures or whatever because uh, he's constantly like talking to bowser like in his head like through like those weird like warp panels but then you actually meet him with the brothers later and you're like oh it's just this guy up on a hill <laughs> doing nothing i liked uh faffle's little minion that he had The, uh, the, the, like, pig guy. (laughs) The pig guy. I love that guy. I forget his name. I just like it because every time him and Bowser are on the screen together, it's just, like, like a bro, like, bro off. And it's like, okay, guys, we get the stereotype. (laughs) Bowser's personality is basically that he's a bro, like pretty much he's just a meathead ironically one of my least favorite characters in the game but also favorite for for her um effectiveness is uh starlo just how she like just taunts bowser from the inside all the time yeah
0: she, she can get a little bit annoying but yeah i agree my biggest problem is like
1: i get the whole like luigi bashing but at the same time it's like it's just unnecessary like at that point like how much she hates luigi for no reason
0: yeah it's like come on luigi's cool leave him alone
1: like, uh, did you find the uh, the, the hidden, like, uh, uh, shroob Easter egg boss? Um, so, like, one of, like, the biggest, like, m- mini-bosses, it's the most, it's probably the most cryptic, like, Easter egg in that entire game, so you have to, like, do, like, this weird code in Bowser's Castle to find it, but one of the, there's, there's a secret mini-boss, which is uh, three shroobs, which were the main villain from um, Partners in Time, and they're actually really surprisingly difficult for what they are. When you defeat them, Starlo just, like, drops, like, this massive, like, Dig at Luigi for no reason, where she basically just like claims like, "Oh, how did you beat them by crying?" Which is actually, how, which is technically how he actually did beat them in the in the game, because it turns out their weakness is baby tears for no reason.
0: Even secret bosses is like, although like it's you know it's fairly common in RPGs nowadays, but uh, again, Super Mario RPG was notoriously known for secret boss and stuff like that, so it's cool. What's his name? uh Culix. Yeah, just like the straight up Final Fantasy boss. Yeah,
1: the, the thing there was like what. Final Fantasy game is he from? It's like, he's not, but he's based off a Final Fantasy character. I love that boss just because, um, the Final Fantasy 4 boss theme plays during it, honestly. It's kind of on a meta standpoint, but, um, one of the weirdest things about that shroob boss is, um, if you look in the background, Bowser has, like, all of these, like, shroobs, including, like, the main, like, antagonist, like, the big bad from Partners in Time just frozen, like, in his basement. cool, though. And I know it's just an easter egg, but it's kind of, like, on a meta sense, like, why does Bowser have these things, like, still
0: like i don't know it's kind of dangerous yeah but i do love yeah, that, that... The, in the series <laughs> that they're always calling back on like the last one like you said with uh with fallfall and the second one and then with the rubes and the third one it's really cool we kind of skipped over as what do you think of the giant bowser fights i i love creative boss fights if you're playing an rpg you've played plenty of rpgs that have a very difficult boss at the end that just will spam you with really broken attacks, right? It's like, give me a little bit something different where I have to think a little bit and I can't just power level and beat the game, right? It's I like the idea behind them, but by like the fifth one, I was
1: like, okay, I'm, t- I'm tired of these now. <laughs> I
0: feel like I was too, because now hearing you say that, I was probably like, curse this. Well, because by like the, the end, they just got so ridiculous. Re- ridiculously repetitive and
1: like they got just they got more drawn out and like longer as they went on i'm like okay enough and it was it, it kind of got formulaic too because it's always like bowser gets crushed to death time to bring him back to life and can
0: make him giant again yeah, it was like a power rangers throwback when the, the little power ranger monster dies and they just make it giant size every time although i did i did admit the
1: train one was kind of clever just getting like crushed by the train and it's like oh it's like i'm like wow that's dark for nintendo and then it's like <laughs> You got to bring him back. Honestly, my, my fa- one of my favorite parts of Bowser's Inside the Story is like the, uh, the mini games inside of Bowser that you do
0: to like help him out in the real world. Yeah, I think that that's one of the coolest parts to me as well, where, again, just taking that RPG formula and giving a little bit of a different spin, but also relevant to the story because you're... You know, you're inside Bowser, so you got to mess with him a little bit. Another
1: cool thing, too, that um, a lot of people probably don't notice right away. There's like a bunch of enemies when you're playing as Bowser that are so tiny and insignificant that he just basically steps on them and they just they get. Yeah, yeah, I love that, actually. That's so cool. But later in the game, when you finally get out of Bowser and you're back on the real world with the bros, if you actually run into those same enemies, you actually have to fight them now because they're like normal
0: sized. Yeah, I remember that. that. Again, that's such a cool, like simple thing that they put in. And it really does make it. I don't know. It just it gives it some charm. Like it's just it's cool because it's like oh okay I get. It. It's like oh this is an actual enemy. It's not just a thing to
1: give you a coin every time you step on it. <laughs> Bowser's inside story is one of those games like where there's just like so many like little moments like I always remember to the uh when you finally get to Bowser's castle and Fawful turned it into a movie theater you win that fight and then Bowser gets fat it's because they need a way to get to unlock another area and then you can when if you ever want to go back to there area you can just make him fat
0: again for no reason that bothers me a little bit from uh like a canon standpoint but you know what we'll let it slide this time how does that happen it's fine that's one of the more disturbing scenes in the
1: entire game to be perfectly honest like what's happening here and then the treadmill later on, like, just out of
0: nowhere. Hey, you gotta lose that weight now.
1: Well, it's funny, though, because when you go back, he just does, like, sit-ups later, and it just goes away
0: magically. It's like, oh, I guess it works like that now. Yeah, imagine thinking it works like that in real life. I wish it did. (laughs) Just do, like, three sit-ups, and you're good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah it would save me a lot
1: of time at the gym that's for sure also uh, another thing uh, what do you think of um i guess this kind of goes for the entire series
0: but what what are your, what are your thoughts on uh, yoko Shinomura's music i'm a sucker for good music in games and i think that this again is one of the ones that stands out i don't know what it is but like it's definitely not a hundred percent of the time but when rpgs do have good music it's just so much better because everybody knows the slogging through an annoying part where you need to level up a little bit more and what helps you get through it the sweet soundtrack
1: or the uh the boss theme that like yep.
0: just like gets stuck in your head or like
1: yoko shinomura is probably one of my favorite composers like she's probably top 10 but um i always love just every like every soundtrack she does just is like bouncy and like super upbeat because she also did a uh, mario rpg
0: too the original one that's a good one too that's one that would get stuck in my head
1: yeah because there's actually like one of the cool things is uh like the way they do the music in this game is when you're inside bowser it plays the same tracks from wherever you are in the overworld, but it's got like more of like a sort of like electronic sound to it. That's
0: that's interesting. I forgot about that, but that's that's really cool. Because I have the
1: soundtrack on uh, one of my iPods, and um, I was listening to it, and it's like every every song has like two different versions for like the inside Bowser and the outside Bowser, like style. And it's interesting. It's cool. I'm gonna
0: have to listen to that on YouTube after this.
1: What, what's your thoughts on how every uh, every game seems to end with a uh, Bowser fused with like whoever the big bad is boss fight for no reason? It doesn't. B- bother me too much honestly i just think it's funny that's like the weirdest like running gag you could have
0: but it, it it's clever how they've done it at least for the first three games they love calling back to other things from previous games and that's just one of them right so it's like well we've already done it this many times and better keep it going you know what i mean yeah well admittedly admittedly baletta is one of the most disturbing
1: things in all of mario but and then uh in uh partisan partners in time is weird because the final boss of that game is literally like a cutscene dodging battle hey that's i'm not a huge fan of that to be honest but nah that well that one's just weird because it's kind of just like thrown in at the last minute because the real final boss of that game is the elder princess shroob which is like a double boss fight that like you beat her first form and then she gets back even more powerful and it's like i was stuck on that for years because her like attacks are ridiculous but um after you defeat her everything gets cured and then you're back in the modern era about to send the uh, the babies back and then bowser somehow fuses with her ghost and becomes Shrouser for some reason (laughs) and he's invincible like you can't attack him directly so basically all you have to do is just dodge attacks until basically the meter his he has like a health meter at the top and basically just dodges attacks until the meter goes down it's an odd choice
0: i guess you could say for a final boss it's odd but again i think it fits fits like the zaniness and the kind of atypical rpg formula that they have going in the series
1: yeah because then in a bowser's inside story the final boss is dark bowser which is which is funny because you actually fight dark Bowser as bowser which I always thought was a kind of cool.
0: Yeah, and it's like a throwback to like in my opinion like Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla kind of thing. There's always an evil version of an evil yeah. of an evil character
1: because of course there is.
0: That boss fight is actually I think one of the
1: best boss fights in the entire game now that I think about it because you're basically you're fighting like your mirror like a character that basically has all of your your same like like mechanics but then you also have to like get Fawful out of him and like suck basically suck in Fawful using um the wind power up thing that Bowser has and then the bros have to fight Fawful from the inside so that you can face Dark Bowser from the out. It's it's kind of a cool like two-tiered boss fight. Very meta,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's crazy too because that's like the end of Fawful too. You think until we get the switch version or the switch entry no i'm just kidding i I mean i'd be all for it
1: i missed that guy but
0: i guess before dream team though i mean was there like any other like key moments from see it's for me it's been a while so i don't really have necessarily a key moment uh which stands out to me is just the overall experience doing things to bowser when you're inside of him some of those boss fights so that that's pretty much it for me i don't have anything else specifically honestly
1: that whole game is just like a highlight reel of like awesome moments it's 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 cool to look back at
0: as you said earlier and I said earlier I I just remember at the time basically not playing anything else and just playing it to completion
1: uh, back then too like uh not when i didn't have a job or anything i was just a kid i mean you only I, I said this on a podcast i was on a while back but um one of the reasons why i love rpgs so much is because i could only get like games once in a blue moon i'd always get rpgs because they took forever and you'd have them for long periods of time and i always remember it's kind of like that was one of the ones where i just was was on it and played it till i was done basically yeah i
0: had a similar experience i i always preferred getting rpgs because i knew that they would be longer you know you never wanted to get the like 30 minute licensed beat up that you beat the first day you owned it and then you're like well i guess i'm not getting anything for a year now you, you just gave me dragon ball gt transformation <laughs> flashbacks uh hate that anime and that game <laughs> so much (laughs) mine was like there was like some like james bond game boy advance game i didn't even really like james bond but it had like just come out so i went to like blockbuster or something and bought it not even rented it bought it and beat it in 30 minutes and then that was one of the only things i ever sold the gamestop and because it was like the second day it came out i got like 40 dollars back for it or something and i just bought Oh really?
1: Yeah. I mean, you made it. You made out there.
0: Yeah, it's like the only time I've ever beat a game in a day. It was crazy. See, I I never trade in games, so I have, like, all my licensed crap from, like, forever. Yeah, I only have, like, two times in my life, and that was one of them. Do you remember, like, the first, like, launch, like, announcement for Dream Team? Not too much. I remember being, like, okay, 3DS Mario & Luigi game. It's, people kind of
1: forget about it now, just because of how long ago it was now, which is actually kind of scary thinking about it, but, um, that was uh, a weird time for Mario RPGs, because that was right after, uh, the Paper Mario Stick star like debacle happened cuz i remember cuz everybody was freaking out thinking that nintendo's going to do this to the the mario and luigi series too and i i guess i've read i don't 100% know the validity of these statements but i've read that i guess they did try to uh implement similar things with uh dream team but um alpha dream i guess was just kind of like
0: no We're going to make our own game, leave us alone. Thank you. That's good to know. I
1: think it might also have to do with the fact that
0: Nintendo never owned Alpha Dream. so They kind of just contracted the game out to them.
1: Yeah, they. I mean, pretty much every game that um, Alpha Dream ever made was for Nintendo, but they were never like a first-party studio. They were more second-party. They probably were invested a little. It was probably kind of like the Rare situation like back in the day, because Paper Mario is made by Intelligent Systems, and Nintendo 100% owns Intelligent Systems.
0: They probably had no leeway there. I'm sure they had something, but it was probably not enough to get the them to really change the concept of the game
1: because i still remember the first reveal trailer for uh sticker star and back when it was just Mar- paper mario 3ds and it looked like re- it looked exactly like what everybody wanted and then what, I guess whatever happened that caused the uh, change in direction happened and then it, now it's considered the worst Mario RPG of all time but anyways getting back to uh, Dream Team Th- the first Dream Team trailer was weird because it was right in the middle of, do you remember the year of Luigi? yeah right in the middle of that honestly it was the best game of the, of the year of Luigi to be fair too the, the trailer was just Luigi sleeping <laughs> like it was just the, the shot of him asleep they showed that for like a few minutes and then they showed a, like three seconds of gameplay showing off the graphics and everyone was kind of like is it 3D or is that just really pretty 2D I can't really tell like I had no like they were just showing that scene of him sleeping there I'm like okay is is this just like a, a meta representation of what the your Luigi ended up being just kind of like Nintendo hyped him up and did, did the bare minimum <laughs> yeah did nothing with him poor guy also didn't help too that was during the Wii U era but that's beside the point <laughs> so so the first Dream Team trailer comes out everyone's kind of worried like oh no they're gonna ruin this game too then we finally get the full on like reveals and everyone's like oh no it's it's they're just doing what they did before only now it's super detailed graphics
0: but what do you think about the switch from the really pixelated graphics to more more 3d style
1: i didn't mind it just because Uh, because like if when you actually a lot of people don't notice this at first but if you look closely the uh the characters are are still sprites like everything's still like a sprite it's just kind of the world is
0: now 3d like models i actually think it's a really good art style to be honest yeah i mean the thing is too is even even 3ds i mean we're still working with how many polygons so (laughs) even if even if you make it 3d it's like okay it's it's kind of 3d but yeah
1: i like the graphical look of it for the most part i know some people some people hated it some people were more on the on like the middle ground kind of they weren't sure i i liked it just because i like evolution in games i don't like them to stagnate which is like it's the same way i am with music when the game finally came out i remember i bought it day one because i had a job and money at that point i played pretty much like it non-stop when it came out right away from like the start the game is like one massive like fan service like shot you've got all like the bean bean kingdom characters are like all over the place you got like a bunch of like characters that you met like in a partners of time doesn't really get any like real like love but then again that game doesn't get love period so massive love letter to like the superstar saga and bowser's inside story like the 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 question mark block guy i forgot his name already he's like your tour guide because the whole plot of the game is they're on vacation to like this like island that's like it's like inhabited it's like this island that was like once inhabited by like these like dream creatures basically he's kind of like your tour guide but the second you start actually playing is when it becomes very apparent one of dream team's biggest flaws in my opinion is dream team is like compared to like a uh, superstar well not really superstar saga but compared to like bowser's inside story and in time this game holds your hand like nothing else in the first like it has a very slow beginning
0: that's unfortunate because that usually loses out a lot of people that's honestly
1: why it took me so long to finish it because i was i'd play it for a while and then i'd kind of put it down and want to play something else i played it when i was older and i had a lot more things i could also play at the time so i it didn't hold my attention the same way like Bowser's inside story did that's a big problem another problem is i love the fan service but also like at the same time it felt like they were pandering i have no confirmation on this (laughs) but my theory my theory is that they saw the negative reaction to sticker star and they just like went overboard to go the opposite direction yeah like let's give the fans everything they want let's give them all the characters they like once you finally do start getting into the game because the whole gimmick this time around is luigi sleeps a lot (laughs) and um basically because you couldn't go inside bowser obviously this time because he's he's in the plot this time but um well i, I don't want to spoil do you care about spoilers i would say let's let's try not to spoil it i won't spoil them the big okay. reveal, but let's just say bowser's involved in the plot like he's definitely a villain again he's not a hero <laughs> as he was in um bowser's inside story he also a funny part is he also absolutely hates starlo now <laughs> which is which is a good callback anyways as i was saying before because you can't they can't do the whole inside Bowser like areas anymore their way to keep that style of gameplay is they instead incorporated Luigi's dream worlds where one of the whole plots of the game is how the inhabitants of the island were basically all turned
0: into magical pillows i was gonna say wait a second hold on
1: the way that like you basically like restore like these characters back to life is um luigi sleeps on them (laughs) and it opens up a portal into like this like dream dimension where mario goes in basically you're inside luigi's dreams and it's weird because you're only you're solo mario whenever you're in there like you have no luigi but the way they incorporate it is you get this like weird like celestial like dream Luigi that follows you around so like when you're uh, in battle you have like these like weird like Luigi versions of your attacks where like uh, dream Luigi will like multiply into like thousands of them and you'll do like a super jump attack where like you jump up in the air and then like a thousand all the Luigis also fall down on the enemy it's really cool Like it's a cool cool. like evolution of the combat Uh, Dream Team's combat basically is just an evolution of everything that Bowser's Inside Story did but more refined it's kind of the same setup As uh, Bowser's Inside Story, you do a dungeon in the Dream World, then you do a dungeon on the Real World. You have the same, you find your like power-ups and stuff the same way. There's a bunch of mystery blocks and stuff. One cool thing is eventually you'll get back to like one of your like central hub towns, and then uh, Popple, the uh, the Shadow Thief from um, Superstar Saga, appears, and it's like, oh, it's him. We haven't seen him in a while, which was kind of cool. And he actually recruits Mario and Luigi as like his like rookie (laughs) sidekick again, and then you have a boss fight with him, which is basically just one giant throwback. And then unfortunately, then after that, he just completely goes away off of the story you never see him again he's very inconsequential to the entire thing he's basically there for fan service
0: too which is another problem that i think the game has so it kind of sounds like dream team is almost like the most of a sequel to bowser's inside story as there can be since you still have that same kind of gameplay where you're going to luigi's dream which is similar to inside bowser am i mistaken in that or do you think that it's it's very much they took the ideas from that worked from bowser's historian
1: basically tried to like improve those i think the problem is they tried to improve like too many things because one of the one of my biggest issues with dream team it's not the gameplay it's not like the world like like i'll, I'll say it right now like Dream Team is not a bad game by any means like it's actually a really well-made RPG. I think the biggest problem is a it had to follow Bowser's inside story which is to me one of like the best RPGs ever made. There was it was there was like so much like controversy going on with Nintendo at that point. It felt like they would always like shoot themselves in the foot or like take one step
0: forward, three steps back if if you know what I mean. I also feel like I don't know if it was the time, the other games that were coming out at the same time, but I remember hearing that the game was getting announced and then by the time it came out, I didn't even remember anymore and then like years later i like saw it on a shelf and i was like oh this came out so that's kind of my summary of dream team well actually fun fact going back to that is uh that was back when i pre-ordered games
1: at gamestop i actually went into the gamestop and pre-ordered it and they were like this is coming out like in three days and i was like oh cool I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna pay it off now then, <laughs> <laughs> When then got it three days later I was like, okay, that's cool. Good timing on your part. Yeah, it's just, it was funny, I was like, oh I guess I could have waited a couple days, but whatever Another, I think one of the biggest things with Dream Team 2 that it makes it so forgettable to me is, it doesn't have as good a story as Bowser's Inside Story, I think that's the biggest issue, because the game world itself is, is like perfect, it's like very well designed, the dungeons and puzzles are really cool, like everything makes sense, like it's basically, it's just like Bowser's Inside Story, but looks nicer and is a bit more refined but it doesn't have that plot that constantly like makes you want to like figure out what's going on like it doesn't like draw you in like um Bowser's inside story did if that makes sense
0: yeah and like with games that have a lot of fan service it sounds to me like they were more drawing on the plot and players experience by just showing them things that they knew already and be like look at this look at this and meanwhile, the, yeah. a- the actual story of the game is like whatever, but they're just trying to like fluff it up. And like another thing too is like Dream Team also has a lot
1: of moments that just feel like very long and drawn out too. Like uh, one of my biggest things is like the boss fights. The boss fights are really cool and interesting, but they take forever. What are we talking? How, m- how long? <laughs> Depending on how good you are at dodging the attacks, it maybe it's been a while, but I remember like 10 to 20 minutes sometimes on a boss. Okay, wow. A lot of it has to do with, it's not even like that the bosses are hard. It's, so every boss, because obviously this also has a lot to do with the 3DS itself, because 3D, they want to show off those graphics. A lot of the bosses have like these very elaborate like attack phases, and some of them just take forever. Like there's like one, there's like a lot of boss points where like, you'll be running towards the screen and you'll have to dodge things that the boss throws at you, but they just go on and on. And you finish one; and it's like good. You get in two attacks, and it's like, oh, we're gonna do that again. It's like,
0: oh, okay. Oh wow, <laughs> that's that's an interesting theory too. Because, like you said, it's like they wanted to throw show off the 3D capability, which so many people ended up using in the long term. <clears throat> I'm, I'm holding my t- Nintendo 2DS right now. <laughs> yep, I think I used the 3D like three times and realized it gave me a headache and never used it again. I I had an OG 3DS like. One of
1: like that really tiny same, like that's what i have looking ones and uh i turned the 3d on the first time like oh that's cool and then i pl- i was playing sonic generations of all things i'm like wow this is completely just unnecessary and i just turned it off yeah. never used it again it's unfortunate yeah i mean it was a cool idea nintendo yeah. trying
0: things but at the same time it was kind of like you know this is one of those things that i don't think you needed to try let's sequence now to mario and luigi paper jam which again on paper sounds like the coolest idea ever and mashing together yeah. two really good Mario rpg series is so how did it actually play so
1: as of a game itself it's a good game no problems with it like it's it's that mario and luigi like trademark gameplay that you remember basically technically like it's solid no problems there the problem with paper jam is i guess it's just forgettable that's really probably the biggest issue
0: because i'm honestly having a hard time remembering what the plot was (laughs) again like similar to dream team like this is saying here it came out around like 2015 2016 ish i guess i don't remember what else i was playing but i i did not remember this game even coming out like if i'm being completely honest like i saw it on the list and i was like what is this game i remember the trailers because i was i was
1: big into youtube at that and i remember i watched a bunch of like commentary channels and at the time i remember there was actually a lot of controversy with it because a lot of the Paper Mario fans were all like they were still very like upset yeah. about the state of their their series at the time. And they were kind of mad that like
0: they were taking it out on the Mario and Luigi series for like no reason, I think is the problem. Yeah, instead of celebrating that they actually got a good Paper Mario game, which was actually a Mario Luigi game, they were just salty about it. <laughs> yeah. That was I think the biggest problem.
1: Because one thing I'll give Paper Jam, the writing is phenomenal. Like you've got Paper Bowser talking with like mario and luigi series bowser and it's just it's it's all just like ham like they just ham it up the entire time it's great the characters all interacting with each other is really cool i don't even remember if paper
0: luigi's in the game now that I think about it oh no barely after the year of luigi and he just gets completely thrown out of the game you can't play as him that's for sure i don't even think he gets invited
1: now that i think about it so t- if you want to get really meta if paper Jam, if there's a, mar- a greater mario canon <laughs> which, which which is a great i'm sure there's something paper jams logic the mar the paper mario universe is literally a book on a shelf somewhere in the mario and luigi universe I like that. Because that the plot the plot is the book gets knocked off the shelf and it somehow releases the characters into their the Mario and Luigi world or something. I haven't played it in forever, so I might be wrong on this, but I think that's what the plot is. But basically, that's how they all end up in this world. And it's like, this is weird, but okay. That's kind of
0: awesome. I love that, actually. It, it's just
1: one of those meta things where it's like, when you think, it's one of those things where Nintendo's like, they're not going to think about this, but of course we are. Because that's just what gamers <laughs> do. Yeah, I remember that. And I remember combat was cool because they tried to like, mix in elements of both series combat because you had like three characters you controlled now on the field, although Paper Mario was more of just kind of like a bonus
0: add-on than an actual like party member, if that makes sense. So that's what they did. They just had you had your Mario and Luigi, and then Paper Mario is kind of like an assist character almost. From what
1: I remember, like I think that's kind of what he, what he did because I I don't think you controlled him directly like you did the bro- the brothers. Okay. And then it also it had like these like paper craft battles where like they were basically that this game's version of the giant Bowser fights. Oh, actually, another thing, but I forgot to bring up uh, the dream the the giant Dream Luigi fights and dream team because those were a thing too giant fights I don't know why they just need like a they need a moment to just inconvenience the player and have them turn the screen <laughs> to
0: like use the touch screen
1: I, I guarantee those were added specifically because everybody complained that the touch screen was
0: so underused in partners in time i i think it does and i think that that i i have a theory like nintendo at that point was like they had a quota where they're like we need at least 10 games to use the touch screen <laughs> you know or like whatever they're like uh-oh this is a mario game that doesn't use the touch screen like better throw something in there well, it's actually funny because getting into like I, I, I'm a big fan of handheld gaming but at the same time I get really
1: annoyed when like they make you do something really outlandish while you're playing because it kind of defeats the purpose of handheld gaming in my opinion. Jumping ahead a little, I was playing the Bowser's Inside Story remake at the gym on one of the uh, exercise bikes and I'm getting to a boss but I forgot about the giant fights. So I'm like there and all of a sudden it's like oh shit, I have to change the screen and I'm like on the bike trying to do this shit. And there's people <laughs> just looking walks at me and like,
0: they're like who is this guy? They're like, they're like what, what is,
1: is he doing? They're like what is he doing? <laughs> I'm like I'm like I was thinking about that now because it's kind of like anytime that, Like, the 3DS uses the gyroscope for anything. It's like, yeah, that's just what you need when you're playing handheld. Like, imagine playing on a bus with, like, the gyroscope. It's like... What, are they th- what do you think the people are thinking, like, just watching that? I don't remember the plot. Like, I don't even remember who the <laughs> final Actually, I haven't finished it, so of course I don't know who the final boss is. One thing about Paper Jam that I do remember is there actually was a bit of a um, a character embargo on this game, similar to, like, what's happening with Paper Mario right now. So what did
0: that mean for the game?
1: So there's not a lot of, like, the trademark, like, Alpha Dream original characters this time around.
0: Oh, that's unfortunate.
1: What makes up for it, though, is the dialogue and story and writing isn't, isn't like, sacrificed at all. But at the same time, they all also made use of a lot of characters at, which at that point weren't super heavily overused well actually what am i saying the characters i'm referring to actually are heavily overused by nintendo but um i'm referring to the uh, the couplings because they hadn't appeared in a uh, paper uh, mario and luigi game since uh, superstar saga where they were like mini bosses at the end. They appear in um Paper Jam and uh they actually all have like really interesting fleshed out characters and uh and their interactions with like Bowser Jr is is like really cool cuz you don't get a lot of that like in modern ga- in the modern games. Like
0: that's what's nice about these games too is like seeing a lot more wacky character interactions that you wouldn't see you would never see in a traditional game.
1: Especially especially uh the, the Mario Luigi writing
0: like that. Yeah. That stuff gets meta at points and it's 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 ridiculous, but I, that's kind of why I love it at the same time. Time. These two remakes, which is funny because these are my two favorites, the ones that I played. I very vaguely remember the Superstar Saga one, and I definitely remember the Bowser's Inside Story one, but I was like, yeah, I've already played Bowser's Inside Story, so I don't feel like playing it right this second. <laughs> okay. So... I have very distinct opinions on both remakes. One is very positive, and one is overwhelmingly negative. Do you want to guess which is which? I'm assuming the negative is going to be Bowser's Inside Story, and the positive is going to be the original.
1: Yes. Okay. This is one of my theories about remakes, is like, there are certain games out there that need remakes more than others. Agreed. But for some, but for some reason, the games that always get remakes are never the ones that need them. 100% agree. What makes this interesting is this is kind of both of those cases because the original superstar saga well i don't think it's aged at all and i think it's still a phenomenal game the original one it did fall behind mechanically a bit considering this the series evolution the superstar saga remake i think it's called like mario and luigi superstar saga plus bowser's minions which i'll I'll get into that bonus thing at the end the game itself it's exactly like you remember but just better in like every way like they aside from a few minor things where they kind of changed out original characters for no reason you remember in, a uh, Superstar Saga when you, uh, you get to the, 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 I guess you can call it the toad town of that game, and, uh, there's the point where Luigi gets traumatized to the point where he can't do anything? Classic Luigi fashion, fortunately. That's actually a really dark scene now that I think about it. In the original game, it was like this weird, like, Kamek, like, wizard doctor thing in a house that helps Luigi out, but in the, uh, the remake, they just kind of replaced, rather, they were kind of lazy, and rather than remake a, that character's, uh, design they just they used the toad doctor from bowser's inside story <laughs> instead and i was kind of i was kind of like i was like i wasn't upset because i was like yeah i'm like yeah it's the same thing it's a one-off character that doesn't mean anything and i'm like i also was kind of like that's just lazy yeah it is what right. it is it's such a minor part of the game and then there's a few other moments like i'm a lot of people were very upset that gino got removed
0: even though gino's cameo was very everybody loves gino you can't talk badly about gino you can't even say Mallow is a like better G- character, because if you do, everyone will hate you, but I like Mallow <laughs> better,
1: sorry. Because I didn't grow up with it, I have like no like nostalgia for Mario RPGs, so I don't really... I
0: like all the characters in that game fine enough. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I usually don't pick favorite characters and things like that. I,
1: I don't really get the Geno obsession. I mean, he does have that one move that can just like kill anything instantly, <laughs> that also doesn't work on bosses, but that's beside the point. Yeah, they removed his little cameo in there, and I don't really know why, because that remake came out exactly... At the the same time where the geno like smash brothers costumes came out so it's like there wasn't really i don't i can't have been like an issue but you'll never really know Aside from that, though, everything is exactly what you would
0: remember. They really up the cinematics because of how the uh, 3DS's like engine works. So, are these games built on the same engine as like Dream Team and? Yes. Okay. Yep, yeah, it's
1: the Dream Team
0: engine, so it's that graphical style. But
1: it's literally everything that you remembered about like Superstar Saga, just in the new graphics with the updated mechanics. So all the the combat now has all the the additional like uh, refinement. Um, what's interesting is they actually kept the uh, special like the bros moves from the original game. So you actually had to relearn like all of those combos and stuff again, which was kind of cool. And it was interesting bringing back
0: the hand moves because those have been gone. for; They only appeared in Superstar Saga it sounds like kind of like the the recent like tony hawk remaster where it's like it's like almost a one-to-one remake but then they've just added features that make it modern kind of and like you said just taking the best parts of the newer games and putting it into the old style it's just okay. it's the same game just better i'll and admit and admittedly it's
1: a lot easier now with all the added features, but not but not too easy it's 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 actually I think it's it's a better balanced game overall now.
0: Okay, that's fair. I mean it definitely makes me want to pick it up because uh at this point it's probably easier to get a hold of than the original, so then you can just pop it in the 3DS and not have to dig out a Game Boy or Game Boy Play or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely the definitive way to probably play the game now. Uh, my only real disappointment is the music I thought could have been better. They up- updated it to 3DS's sound capabilities, but it doesn't feel like it was recomposed.
0: Underproduced, maybe? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think it was kind of more like they just kind of slapped some yeah. like paint on it and made it look nicer. Final Fantasy 4. The psp remake it's the it's final fantasy IV just with uh hand-drawn like nicer graphics and stuff that game offers two soundtracks there's the arranged one which is like kind of like what i think of like the, the soundtrack in this game and then you could also just use the uh original super nintendo music that's nice so i kind i kind of wish they did that and just like let you use the game boy advance music at that point because at that point it, it's not that much better in my opinion I want to make a quick mention of um, the Bowser Jr.'s, or Bowser's Minions. That
0: is like the most pointless thing ever. I, p- I play like 10 minutes of them. I was just like,
1: Nah, I'm
0: good. Is it an actual second game that you can boot up, or is it just within the game itself?
1: When you get to the title screen, you can pick either the main game, and then it's a separate thing. It's supposed to be like a side story that happened during the events of the game. It's kind of like what Bowser's minions were doing while he was going through his like midlife crisis in, during the game. I don't even know how to explain it. It's kind of like battles, but they kind of like play themselves in a way. It felt like I was just kind of watching a visual novel, and things sometimes happened. I didn't finish it. I kind of just I, I played ten minutes. I was like, nah i'm all set
0: yeah at least they put something extra in there in case you were mad for some reason that it was just the old game anyways now getting
1: on to Mario and luigi bowser's inside story plus bowser jr's journey i think it's called
0: yeah it's bowser jr's journey you're right god where do i begin with this one
1: so, so for starters, this was co- like probably one of the most unnecessary remakes of
0: all time. So what's crazy is I'm looking at the dates and it was like almost 10 years later, which is wild to think about, but realistically from upgrading from DS to 3DS, I mean. Another
1: thing that people have pointed out too is the D- the 3DS is backwards compatible with the DS. So Superstar Saga being a GBA game is, is not the most accessible game to find anymore, unfortunately. True. Like I think the easiest way to find it before the remake was it was on the Wii U's virtual console, I think. I'm sure it was at one point. It's weird that it took, honestly, it's kind of shocking that it's 10,
0: it's 10 years after the original, cause it doesn't feel
1: that old to me.
0: I agree. Yeah. 2009 to 2018 or 2019. Cause it says, yeah, it was released in 2019. So like 10 years, that's insane, right? yeah i just got older there for a moment
1: fun, fun here's a fun thing i did not know about the bowser's inside story remake at first i had my 2ds by that point so I, I wasn't even aware of this there's like no actual like 3d effects in a bowser's inside story
0: well it's it's a pretty late release 3ds game right like yes. when did they stop making them like that must have been very late i believe that is actually the game that made nintendo just give up on the 3ds okay that makes sense that game sold
1: horrendously, from what I, I, rem- I w- remember. The Superstar remake sold okay. When you actually look at the sales numbers, the Mario Luigi series was it's in kind of like a progressive yeah. downward like trend of sale. Yeah, because Dream Team didn't sell as well as Bowser's Inside Story, and uh, Paper Jam definitely didn't sell as well as Dream Team. Uh, the Superstar Stogger remake kind of had a bump because of the nostalgia factor. The Bowser's Inside Story remake was like so late. I, I-, I think my whole thing was like, who asked for it? That was kind of the real question.
0: Yeah, it- I wonder again because it was so late and switch stuff was already like happening i wonder if it was just like okay we're gonna give some money please just give us some mario title or like you know give us something mario and luigi related for this amount of money and that's what they decided to do you know what i mean like i have no idea but
1: it's kind of funny when i first heard that they were remaking it i was i kind of was like oh okay I guess that makes sense like it's it's the second most popular well, arguably the second most popular it's kind of debatable which is more popular but it's like it's one of the most popular games in the series Like, that, that makes sense they remade the other one but then I actually sat down and thought about it I'm like why <laughs> like there's no reason to remake this game it's perfect as it is here's something too about the Bowser's Inside Story remake that um is baffling to me this game has performance issues really the frame rate is worse than the DS game <laughs> I believe that uh, the original
0: game was sixty frames per second, and I believe this one's only thirty. I wonder then if it's like a, it was like a timing issue, like rushed out, you know, didn't have enough time to optimize everything. I'm wondering too because it was so late in the DS's life, uh, 3DS's lifespan. Apparently, um,
1: Nintendo had other plans for the 3DS beyond when they finally just kind of discontinued it
0: and the overwhelmingly like poor sales for the remake i think just it's uh, like i, I don't even remember that. when switch was announced they they specifically said you know we're going to continue to make 3ds games as long as we have the support for it and everyone was like whoa that's interesting i
1: actually it's kind of funny because I, everyone was like really surprised by that and i was
0: sitting there going Nintendo
1: says this about every every time they release a new thing.
0: Yeah, that's kind of true.
1: When the uh, the DS first came out, Nintendo was all like, "No, no, no! Don't worry. The GBA is going to be a, a third pillar of handheld." Because <laughs> I mean, there's no way it was it was not supposed to be a successor to the Game Boy because it had the GBA slot built into it. I mean, it was like I don't know. Nintendo is really weird, like, with how they handle things. They're
0: very careful, and that's the thing. I think they're very careful to not upset their fans, number one, because they do have crazy fans. And number two, they're just very cautious with their new hardware. They don't believe in it until they actually see the numbers, which I think is smart. It is smart, although, to be fair, they, um... Handhelds are weird, because Nintendo
1: has always just... The handheld mar- race yeah, is, I like, agree. so one-sided, it's not even funny. I always want to do, like, a topic on this some some point, like, The PSP versus the the DS. I think, yeah, that would be a good episode for sure. My only problem with that is Alex doesn't really have a lot of like knowledge about the PSP. One of my, one of the things that I, not to get too off topic, but one of the things that always like annoyed me was when people called the PSP a failure. The PSP is not a failure by any
0: means. When you actually look at sales wise, like this actually shocked me. The PSP sold more than the 3DS. I mean, I remember, I mean, I even remember like I wanted a PSP because I had a DS and everyone else had a PSP and they were like, oh, we could watch movies on our PSP. We can go on the internet on our PSP and do a web browser and i was like oh man (laughs) i forgot about it it's like oh and it plays music and does everything and it's like i
1: remember too because all the uh, critics said the psp was going to run away with it and then of course as always nintendo just pulls through they appeal to the masses though that's the thing and they just have that they have that market lockdown there's no beating beating nintendo there it always annoyed me when like they would refer to like the psp as a massive failure and i guarantee the only reason they do is because of what it
0: actually was competing against not how it actually did itself i agree and even again super off topic but like the vita the vita is a really really good handheld the vita is probably the greatest handheld ever made in my opinion the vita had so much going for it and sony just dragged their feet and did not do anything they needed to i mean even the like people don't realize it but there's so many ps4 games that you can literally then stream to your vita and play in bed or whatever it's so fun to do that there's a lot of games with it too oh yeah
1: the biggest problem with that remake too is that it literally
0: does not add anything new and it runs worse because like you said so superstar saga they had had so many improvements that they were able to implement new combat abilities and things like that but yeah most of those ideas were introduced in bowser's inside story that's pretty much just a straight remake into the new engine then
1: pretty much it was it was about as like i'm trying to think of a good like example okay it's basically the um from what it looks like anyways it's basically what the diamond and pearl remakes are looking like they're gonna be it looks like it's just gonna be like legit the same game over again just looking debatably better i don't even think i finished the bowser's inside story remake i think i actually i got up to the final dungeon and then i got sidetracked by something and I just never picked it back up.
0: What can you do? You enjoyed the first one a lot and you realized the second one, the remake was not for you.
1: It was kind of a bummer just because it was like, yeah, granted, I think I'd probably feel the same way if they like remade like another game that I, I absolutely adore and they just kind of half-assed it. It is what it is. And unfortunately, too,
0: because that game like failed to sell, it actually bankrupted Alpha Dream. Yeah, let, let's touch on that quick, too. So I would love to see a new entry into the series, but with the huge decline, I mean, for the most part, the first few games in the series were the most loved. And then kind of over time, the series started spiraling out of control. So I'm just wondering what the chances of even getting a new entry into the series. And if so, who would be developing it? The chances to me right now
1: they're definitely higher than say getting a new like f-zero game i'd say they're probably in that like i'm trying to think
0: of like a nintendo franchise that like hasn't had a game in forever but could have a game for me again this isn't main nintendo but i'm always gunning for a golden sun either remake or brand new game and i'm kind of in the same boat where i'm like i don't think it is ever gonna happen because the ds1 did so much worse than the originals Which is sad because that's actually a really good game. Nintendo remembers things like that. Like I said earlier, Nintendo's smart. They base everything based off sales and things like that. So when they look at Mario and Luigi on paper, they're like, okay, that was a good series, but we did the remakes already. So we're not going to do that again. And the last few entries in the series were not that great. So. Yeah,
1: I think that's that honestly. Yeah, that that's.
0: I feel like the only hope that we have is some kind of random fan outcry because they do listen to stuff like that occasionally where the fans will get super into a series and be like we want this back. To, to be perfectly fair though the F-Zero fans have been screaming at them for years now and Nintendo just doesn't care. <laughs> Bring Earthbound back. Give us a new mother entry. We're not going to talk about that now. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to dwell on this one. Okay I'm not going to dwell too
1: much on it, but I love Earthbound. But its fan base infuriates me, <laughs> and that. They'll will never be a new Earthbound because the
0: creator literally just does not want to make another one. <laughs> that's the- let's say like hypothetically now, if we wanted a developer to develop this game, who do or let, let's let's say two things maybe of like what developer do we think could potentially do it, and maybe like what's the like what's our best case scenario of like dream collaboration that would probably never happen that we would want to develop this game.
1: Hmm. that's actually an interesting thought because. What made the game so much, like, so special compared to, like, Paper Mario was just their distinct, like, writing style and tone. The biggest problem I see is that, like, you can emulate the gameplay... But you're never going to emulate that same writing style without the original writers.
0: So I feel like for you then that your your ideal would be like, okay, so some of Alpha Dream's original writers, basically. Honestly, I, I'm curious what
1: where they actually ended up. I'm sure they're somewhere in the industry. I'm, I'm kind of curious where the director went because he's kind of like the driving force behind these games. I'm trying to think now of like what, who I'd actually like to see give it a shot interestingly enough I'm, I'm thinking of like developers nintendo has like on hand i wouldn't want intelligent systems to do it just because they're they're already struggling enough as it is with with their
0: own series gotta be somebody that does good stories and games that, that's kind of why i'm i'm hesitant towards like say intelligent systems just because
1: they write phenomenal stuff right. when they're allowed to write what they want to write fire emblem awakening is one of my
0: favorite games
1: of all time i i feel so, like they
0: would be kind of one of the go-tos in my opinion at realistic ones well that's like that's one of nintendo's like og studios
1: well because that was originally just their their like techni- technical department back in the day and they just kind of made stuff and then they made fire emblem one day and then the rest was history after that they still have a relationship with camelot and i'd be interested if i would inter- be interested in on, on a, a camelot take on the series to be honest i
0: think that could be the best of both worlds for me as well where like i just said golden sun is one of my favorites the humor probably wouldn't be there um that's no, the only thing golden right? sun is a very different tone then again they also they also
1: do the mario actually getting on mario rpgs they did make one of the most obscure mario rpgs of all time in the mario Tennis games what was the story like in that one though
0: i'm sure it wasn't memorable
1: i don't remember <laughs> i just remember i was playing a tennis rpg and it was fun was that that's the um was that a game boy color game boy advance the b- both the uh, game boy color and advance uh tennis and golf games were rpgs for some reason well i mean it does make sense because camelot was originally um sonic software planning and they mm. made the shining series at, for sega originally they made
0: a beyond the beyond on the playstation that was the other big game so i'm thinking for mine who's the developer that made like xenoblade chronicles oh uh, monolith that could be interesting right oh yeah nintendo nintendo owns them too yeah that's why i jumped out to me because i'm like what developers do they have that actually make like rpgs these days i like
1: xenoblade but xenoblade is a lot of rpg
0: agreed it would definitely be a different tone as well i don't think you could replicate it unless you took the developers of monolith and writers from you know whatever other franchise well here here's an interesting thing too is monolith also
1: made if uh you want to get into licensed games that are surprisingly really good uh, monolith made that dragon ball z uh rpg on the ds i have that that's a
0: good game yeah
1: hard as hell but it's really good I, I wish they made they went beyond the uh saiyan saga there but
0: yeah i agree with that
1: yeah so they could do actually that that game has a really good tone actually
0: i'm starting to actually put the pieces together here now. nintendo feel free to steal this idea don't worry about it you don't have to give us anything for it just maybe our names in the credits all good it's all good Nintendo don't worry about it and then I think like my fun like two stretch ones which would never happen but I would love to see like Square Enix you know I don't know Square Enix is is so confusing because they're like a conglomerate now like they're not even you know what I mean like they have so many sub developers I mean they're just a publisher now right so it's weird well they're a publisher but they still make because they
1: they still develop Final Fantasies in house. What I
0: always laugh about Square
1: Enix is everyone blames Enix for the decline. Meanwhile, the Enix games are the ones that are always doing well. Because Dragon Quest never went into decline. Star Ocean never went into decline. It was just um, Final Fantasy stuff. But
0: I don't even know if Square even remembers how to make a Mario RPG now that I think about it. Yeah, I mean, by this time, obviously, the teams are completely different. And then my other, like, fun, fun, maybe on the writer side would be, like, some of the old Rare writers and stuff. Oh, so, like, the guys over at, uh i guess platonics where they're at now. yeah I guess. some of them are still there again or take one of those writers from like banjo yeah, kazooie like- or something and just like throw them on it that would be cool I- i'm trying to now that now that you brought up a, like an outlandish
1: idea like possible i'm trying to think of one i'm trying to picture what an atlas developed one would look
0: like Ooh. well atlas is weird too because they're mostly a publisher right but they do have there are a lot of really good japanese developers that we only ever see as atlas here's the thing about atlas whenever you see that atlas publishing logo on it
1: in the u.s anyways that's not actually atlas that's some atlas usa yeah that's which is another company entirely because atlas does develop the majority of they develop their games but they also localize a lot of um other games particularly like chunsoft games and stuff like that
0: but i i bet like their localization teams got a sense of humor they've done some interesting games Over the years. They do, which is ironic because their first localization is one of the
1: worst localizations of all time in the, uh, the the first persona they've picked it up because they actually um they've been localizing all the yakuza games lately oh really because sega sega owns them now so they might as well use that localization department that's another outlandish one that would be really cool the the yakuza studio oh that could be interesting it, it shocks me that
0: one of the best rpgs i've played this year is yakuza like a dragon maybe you're onto something talk about games with crazy story and then they can also make rpgs i'd be interested i'm actually trying to picture I, i'm picturing mario in the mafia now though, <laughs> which is kind of funny yeah there's like a secret character that's yakuza mario that's never gonna happen but it would be funny oh man okay another random thing you know like the mario hoops 3v3 where there's just like random final fantasy characters in it oh yeah because square made that i forgot about that I just wanted to thank you for coming on today and joining the Gaming with Passion podcast. Uh, we we recorded for about two hours or so, so it was a really good conversation. And I want to hear from uh, everybody in the comments on whether they think... What, what game developer would they want to develop a new Mario & Luigi game? And how likely do they think it would actually be that we would get a remake or even a brand new entry into the series? And it was a uh, yeah, thanks for uh, having me on man. Thanks, everyone for watching. I had a really good time talking to the Barberhood who games. I've interacted a lot with him over the years on Twitter. Uh, I've never talked to him, and he was a blast to talk to. He's very informative. Uh, he likes a lot of the same games as me. So if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out all the other podcasts available on Anchor Podcasts and any other platform that has podcasts. This podcast had some trailers that we talked about in the podcast, so if you want to see the actual trailers, check out the YouTube video version of this podcast on my channel, youtube.com slash Until the next podcast, guys, peace out.